Hello and welcome to episode three of the Handcuffs and Sawdust podcast. What's up, Brandon? What's up, Mike? It's funny, I have sup bitches on our rundown, yet you didn't say it. Oh, I didn't know it was scripted. Oh, well, I thought I thought plus, we were just doing this live free-flowing kind of thing. I didn't We are. I didn't, I didn't study my lines. And plus I'm only one bitch this week because Joey Mayberry um unfortunately couldn't join us tonight. So uh it's just you and I. No, he just likes spending time with this kid. God, the balls on people. Right? I even send mine to bed so that we can do this. Right, and mine just make pizzas in the background while we're doing this. <laughs> so and then fill the room with pizzas and we are enjoying beer while we do this, so that's good. Yeah. So did you have a good week? I did. It was another another long one. <laughs> yeah, how so? Well, uh, I started the week with a migraine <laughs> and then uh, finished it out with a uh, what somebody claimed was a male in a courtyard with an AK-47, but uh, it what? ended up being a BB gun. Holy shit. Yeah. Well, fill us in. So, so it's a... Uh, it's an apartment complex for, I guess you could say low-income housing, but it's more housing for people who are formerly homeless. And the security guard calls in and says, hey, there's this guy in the courtyard, and he's got an AK-47. I go, oh, crap. And this, this place is a notorious problem spot. So, you know, everybody and their mother shows up, and every right. cop in the city who has a rifle has it deployed. And we're we're doing like a <laughs> – it almost looks like a – almost like a military op as we're approaching the building. And apparently the guy ran back inside like, Oh, the security guard confirms. So it's like, Oh yeah, it's just a, it's just a BB gun. Uh, all right, cool. We're going to leave then. Wow. Well, they called back three more times because he was causing issues. And then finally me and my boss and, and one other guy <laughs> just go, you know what? He's supposed to be out on the street. Maybe we just go grab him. And we did. Yeah. <laughs> so, it went from having like three or like 11, 12, you know, 13 cops to, to three of us that actually ended up grabbing him. And then we took his daughter to jail too, because she had a, a felony warrant. So it was a whole family affair. How old was this guy? Oh, he is old. I, and later on, I was careful (laughs) older than you. Okay. Older than you. But then later on, I was talking to some of the guys that, uh, live in that building and, and hang out. And they're like, yeah, I guess he just got a, uh, like a terminal cancer diagnosis, and he's kind oh, of looking no. to punch his own ticket or getting us to punch his ticket for him. Right. Was he pointing the weapon at anybody? No, he pointed it up in the air and then was like firing out the like second story window or something. So shooting actual BBs up at something. Yeah, just little BBs. So he uh, thankfully dropped it when we uh, <laughs> started pointing our guns at him and said, Drop the fucking gun. We don't have BB guns. This won't end well. Yeah. It was almost like I saw a, a little video where these two kids are trying to rob a convenience store and they security guard walks in. He's actually armed, fires two rounds, and this one kid like throws his hands up. He's like, it's fake, it's fake. Security guard goes, oh, well, mine's real. Right, I've seen that <laughs> video. He actually hits the one guy. Yeah, he shoots the one kid, and the other one's like, ah, sorry. Right, don't bring a fake gun to a gunfight. Yeah, you lose. Did you see the video um, online? Where the two kids came up and tried to carjack the guy, get and into they his get, car, and they get body slammed. 
Yeah, you can hear him go, oh, fuck, no. Oh, yeah, and then just start screaming like a stuck pig. Yeah, and he picks up the kids and slams them on the ground, and the kid's like, oh, let him go. And I'm like, wait a minute. This is fair game now. You want to fucking point a gun at me when I'm getting in my car, guess what? Don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Right. Play stupid games. Win stupid prizes. Thank you very much. <laughs> so we had, I had a good week um, at work, mostly. Uh, we were rather slow, which is always good. I don't, I like slow nights because when it's busy, that means bad things are happening, right? Uh Uh-oh. So anyways, um, I just heard your click there. Yeah. Brandon and I are trying a new thing. Baby woke up and is, uh, unhappy. Oh, you want to go check on the baby? (laughs) No, wife's looking at her. She's, uh, she's teething right now. (laughs) All right. Oh God. Give her a waffle. Frozen yeah. waffles. They oh, yeah. work. So we were quiet most of the week, but something that happened during the week we're going to be talking about in uh, our law enforcement part, and that would be the chases. So we had a chase come through town that I'll get into when we talk about chase policies. So uh, first up on the agenda, we're not going to do any news stories tonight because there's nothing but bad news. So we're going to get right into the show. And thankfully this week, there were no groundbreaking or major news stories involving law enforcement. Right. There is. There was a North Carolina shooting last week, and those people had an independent um, exam and said, you know, I saw the news story where the kill shot was in the head. Well, then I read, and I haven't seen any rebuttals yet. First of all, they say he's the cops show up. They were serving a warrant for him. And the cops show up and they just start shooting because he gets in his car and tries to drive away. Because we always just shoot at people that are driving away as well. Because we don't yeah. know who he is, although we have his name on a warrant. No, it's all it's well, the Wild West still. Right. So it turns out he tried running over police officers and that's why they shot him. So huh. I haven't heard a rebuttal to that Fun, yet. Funny how that happens. Right. No, I, didn't, I don't know. Maybe they It's just almost like there's usually enough. a reason behind a cop pulling a trigger. Almost. Like 99.99% of the time. There is a news story going on in Chicago about an, a shooting that occurred, I think, in March. You know, a young Hispanic boy was shot, and he was running and shooting. A, I think it was a, like a Glock. It looked like the green version, or the, you know, what they call the desert. Oh, yeah, like the OD green kind of thing? Yeah, it was one of those colors, and they, there's all kinds of video and pictures of the weapon, and there's a really good video of him in the foot pursuit with the weapon in his hand. so. But did he ask his supervisor for permission to pursue the, the suspect? Yeah. Uh, that's a big thing right now in <laughs> Chicago. So all my Chicago friends are like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, I'd, I know we mentioned it in the previous show, but I don't know. Do I actually have to? I don't have to because we don't have that stupid policy. And people run from us, we fucking chase them. Yeah. And I always yell first. While I'm running, chasing the people, I yell, I'm bringing an ass whooping with me, so you better just fucking stop. <laughs> usually works. See, once somebody starts to look around, I, I usually will give them the warning of, I swear to God, if you make me chase you, right, it is going to end poorly for, for you. you. Right. Because like, I'm going to bring about 20 of my friends and a helicopter 
I will find you. That's cheating if you get to bring a helicopter. Hey, I don't fight fair. I fight to win. That's right. <laughs> it's like in The Dark Knight Rises. Someone asks Bane, um, would it hurt if I took off that mask? And he says, it would hurt you. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's my Bane impersonation. Right? That was actually pretty. It was a very creative use of the beer glass. <laughs> Why would someone shoot a man before throwing him out of an airplane? So, <laughs> I, my, I'm told not to walk around with an empty glass or a, a water bottle anymore because of my Bane impersonations. <laughs> the darkness is my ally. So, anyways... <laughs> Back to the fun stuff. Yeah, so uh, not as many case-making, uh, news-shattering stories, unfortunately. A good thing. Thank uh, God. <laughs> socially, we needed that break. And uh, we'll get on with the other stuff later. But the first thing we wanted to talk about tonight was uh, qualified immunity because this is a huge debate in many states. So I'm going to let you tell our listeners, what qualified immunity is. Yeah, so I I know I mentioned it last week that if qualified immunity goes, I go. And the reason behind that is qualified immunity, and this is like the actual definition of it. So it's a legal principle that grants government officials performing discretionary functions immunity from civil suits unless the plaintiff, that means the person suing, shows that the official violated, quote, clearly established statutory or constitutional rights of which a reasonable reasonable person would have known. So what this does is it protects us from, you know, a a cop or or other government official. It allows us to make a reasonable but mistaken judgment about open legal questions. So if you act in good faith on something that you believe is known and true, qualified immunity keeps you from losing everything that you have worked so hard in your life to obtain you take that away and and by the way these states that are taking it away the politicians need to really look at it because it's taking away their qualified immunity too so right not just police officers when you don't take action and allow your city to burn and my small business closed down closes down i am going to personally sue every single city council member that it, there is, including the mayor, including the city manager, if there's one. So I, you know, I, it's one of those. I can't, I can't fathom why you would want to take this away because what this does is it allows a cop to go out there, and I'm just talking about the law enforcement side of it. I'm not even talking about like the politician side of it. It allows a cop to go out there, stop people, try to develop probable cause for an arrest to take a bad person off the street. Not even, and it doesn't even have to be a bad person. Somebody who has violated the law, right? We've all established these set of rules. We've codified them in a penal code or municipal code or some sort of code. And this person's violated. This allows us to go out there, try to make that case against them to take them off the street. If you don't allow people to make good faith mistakes, they're going to stop stopping people. Right. So... And and the best way to learn is to go out there and to screw up. So we always say, like, oh, learn from your mistakes, right? Well, you're taking away the ability to make a mistake. Right, and we're supposed to just be perfect now. Yeah, right out of the academy with absolutely no experience whatsoever, just in some cases six months of training, in some cases less. Right, and, and then just, you get Derek Chauvin as your FTO. 
Yeah, and you're you're perfect, right? You're good to go. Yeah. I'm reading an article while we're talking about it about some of the states that have. So New York's abolished, gotten it. rid of it. And Colorado. Oh, Colorado did. I didn't know about that one. Yeah, Colorado. I have a friend that just started. He's in the academy for Pueblo, Colorado. No qualified immunity. That's a bold move. Yeah, he went out there. He's an outdoors um, kid. He loves hiking. He's got a big forerunner, so he goes off-roading. So for him, he's, he's always wanted to be a police officer. And so it's like the best of both worlds minus the qualified immunity not being around. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I mean, if people think that cops don't do enough now, take away qualified immunity and see how much we do. And that's not just because, like, oh, we're lazy or anything like that or we're vindictive. No, we don't want to get sued. It's not a fun process. Right. If we are acting in good faith, we should have that protection. And I'm just, I'm wondering why, and the article I read stated that it was written for politicians. What the fuck are they doing that they need qualified immunity? I th- I think it's when they're trying, when they believe that they're acting in the best interest of the public and it ends up having a negative impact, then I think you can go like, okay, well, qualified immunity is going to protect them. Like in California, we have, um, what was it? I think it was AB 109 and Prop 47 that basically decriminalized just about everything and let people out for nonviolent offenses and i'm using air quotes because anybody in california listening knows that the nonviolent offenses that got decriminalized were actually pretty freaking violent so it was putting more and more criminals out on the street and it was done as a way to reduce prison crowding and things like that because we did have a prison crowding problem and actually just announced uh, a couple hours ago that about 46 violent career felons are going to be released from uh, california penitentiaries uh, due to COVID. What? Yeah, we're stupid here. Politically speaking, California is quite possibly one of the worst states in the union. As a state, minus the politicians, it's pretty dope. But politically speaking, we're retarded. Yeah. I'm bringing back the R word. If anybody watches Shameless. I, look, uh, yeah. Retard, yeah. retard. Look, look, and here's the thing. If you have somebody who has a... a form of mental retardation, you know I'm not trying to be mean to you, okay? Of course not. And and let's just preface this by saying, we're fucking cops. We're not going to be politically correct. That's not what we do. If you, I if also you're, just if you get say shit hurt, sometimes. Right. And <laughs> if you get butt hurt, tough shit. My friends always say, wipe off your vagina. Get back to work. <laughs> if I did so. offend you, send me a DM at Full House right. Woodwork on Instagram, and I will personally apologize to you, Okay. There we go. I'm a man of the people. You haven't offended me yet. Oh, which the show I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you a story about being offended. Okay. All right. So, after 15 years, I left the police department for personal reasons and uh, went back into the private sector. I actually went back to work at the largest utility in Northern Illinois. I was in the union for that company for 11 years before coming a police officer, and a friend of mine was up in the management section and he brought me back to run the safe driving division of the company. So, you know, 25,000 employees, uh, big fleet. And I was lucky enough to put some programs together, which lowered the crash rate to a historic low in the time I was there. 
And I remember I really missed being a police officer. And I would walk over to the window on the 10th floor of the building and look down at the police officers on traffic stops. And one of my buddies is an army ranger and he'd go, Mike, those windows don't open. You can't jump out. <laughs> You're stuck here with us. And I'm like, did oh, you slowly man. put like one hand on the glass? I did. It was it had the <laughs> melodramatic music playing in the background. And I really missed being on the street. And I've just completely forgot what I was going to tell you. <laughs> it's it's, not the beer. It has something to do with being offended. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Okay, so I, I worked in a cubicle, right? So that sounds awful. It, what? I thought it was going to be great. I had two com- computer monitors, and I would listen to music in my headphones. And at one point, I had a guy from the en- the environmental section, which was behind me and behind a wall. He came over to my desk, and he's sitting on my desk, and he goes, he just sit- he sits down on the desk, and he's looking at me. And I got my headphones on. I'm jamming out to, like, Van Halen or some bullshit. I'm singing. He taps me on the shoulder. I'm like, what's up, man? Um, I don't know how to say this. I'm like... Fucking spit it out. Um, can you not sing during the day when you're working? <laughs> because I can hear it all the way over <laughs> my desk. Granted, I don't have a good voice. So I'm like, fuck, yeah, okay. So that's one thing. Because I'm used to driving in a car, right? Yeah. Squad car. We can do whatever the fuck we want to do. So then I had a friend who was on the other partition side of me. And he, as soon as I started there, his name was Vince. He said, Mike. What we find funny on this side of the glass isn't funny on that side of the glass, being <laughs> HR, right? So you know, cops, we don't have a filter. No. And we have, and we've had to develop a warped sense of humor. And the people will tell me, I saw a picture of you in the newspaper on the crime scene and you were laughing. So that was early on in my career on the task force, you know, um, because the press comes out and then you've just seen, you know, a double homicide and now you're trying to relieve some of that stress. So you might tell a joke and then it gets caught on camera, right? So my my story is that we don't get offended. So Vince tells me this, what's funny on this side of the wall isn't funny on that side of the wall. So we start talking, we get another person that comes into our group from outside. And at some point she was offended by either a political statement or a religious statement that was being made or joke or conversation. So time goes forward, HR calls me in. Now, HR consisted of two young females that had to be 24 years old, something like that. Some kids that just barely woke up and don't know what they're doing. So they bring me into this office and I'm like, I've been back with the company, I don't know, maybe six months. And they go, oh, the reason we're here is we're investigating um, an incident where someone, possibly yourself, uh, may have been offended by something that was said. And I said, hold on a second. First of all, what possibly could have been said that would offend me? No offense, but for 15 years I lived in the real world, standing over dead bodies telling jokes. I don't get offended. Well, the incident that were in question is about something that somebody said, and you were you were participating in the conversation that was about religion. And I go, listen, if you're going to try and get out of me that I was offended, it's going to be a long day. I don't get offended. Once again, <laughs> police officer, 15 years, 
in the real world, not with blinders on, oh, I guess our interview's over. And that was the end of it because you can't offend me. I'm a fucking cop. So I'm like, oh, my God, what's with these fucking people? But once again, right, bubble. Everyone's in their bubble. They don't live in our world. So if someone is offended, you know, please tell me. But yeah, well, that's, that's not like, our intention. Uh, it's, and it's the best joke to ever tell anytime there's a decapitation or something where I'm, where brain matter is next to the person is where you stand there next to your buddy. And it's even sometimes a paramedic or a firefighter. Right. And you just look at him and go, well, he's beside himself. <laughs> it, it's told every single time and it's never right. not funny. No. Yeah. And everyone wants to complain about the masks at work. I love them because I can, can't see me I can laughing. laugh all the time now. Right. I even have gone so far as to just, I'll stick my tongue out at people, like while they're talking to me. And I just, eh. <laughs> they have no clue. Like somebody's standing there telling me a bullshit story. I just stick my tongue out. I'm just like, mm. oh my God. That's pretty funny. So anytime that you're lying to a cop and you think you're getting away with it and he's wearing a mask, he could be sticking his tongue out at you. And you're not getting away with it. And you're not so getting you know. away with it. It's all we, a question of, do I really want to deal with this right now? Right. We always also use, um, if you saw Ghostbusters, the first one. Well, yeah. After everything happens at the very end and Rick Moranis is no longer being possessed, he's up on the roof and he goes, man, the superintendent's going to be pissed in the morning. <laughs> so <laughs> one of our, anytime we have a big scene like that where there's a major catastrophe or death, and the scene looks like that, I always bring that one up because, you know, we had one of our photographers on our homicide team. He was a part-time police officer, which allowed him to be on the task force, mm -hmm. but he was a professional photographer. He owned a professional photography company. He would fly around the United States as an expert witness and plane crashes. I mean, this guy shot everything camera-wise. So he, there was a crash in a northwest um, neighborhood Four teenagers stole a car and went out joyriding. Unfortunately, two of the kids in the car didn't know that the car was stolen. So there was some alcohol involved. What? Yeah, I know. And uh, these kids were racing around in the subdivision that they were not familiar with at about 80 miles an hour. That ends poorly. Then, yeah, it it ended so poorly, and I still have the picture in my head. The car went off the road. It was like a Honda Accord or something. And it hit a tree, which split the car in half, literally split the car in half. It decapitated the driver. And then her head flew, I think they said it was like 85 feet up into a tree where the bark, and I'm making a Y like with my hands. It split in a V and then her head landed like right here. Did right, land, perfectly it, placed in right between the up? branches. Right side up. Oh. With her eyes open. Oh, jeez. And I'm like, man, the superintendent's going to be pissed in the morning. <laughs> but it was a horrible scene. But how are you supposed to process that? Well, there's two ways you can do it. You can make the inappropriate joke and let that, that pent-up nervousness out in the form of laughter. Right. Or 
you can go find a dark parking lot and cry Snuff your out your life. Yeah. yeah. And, and, go no, there's a... and, and turn to alcohol. And the next thing you know, you're blowing your brains out because you can't deal with all the trauma you've seen. Right. You have because... no actual release. Right. And police officers lead the um, statistics as a field of work profession in divorce, alcoholism, and suicide. I can't, can't imagine why. Right. So please fucking let me laugh at a joke or make a joke out of something that's horrible because it will allow me to live longer. Right? Yeah. That's... It's very important that you have that person that supports you in this endeavor. And I've called my wife after so many, you know, episodes of horrific acts that we see, and she just listens. And I'm at work still. I mean, I responded to a drowning at a pool at a hotel I worked security at as well at the time where a 15-year-old boy who did not know how to swim was at a party for his mom who was retiring from the hotel, and he fell to the bottom of the pool, and no one could see him in the water because the water had some, like, strange white milky texture to it. So there was actually people who actually even jumped in the fucking pool and swam over his body without seeing it. That's how bad the water was. And I was the first person on the scene, and they had just pulled the kid out. And I was given CPR and stuff. That's when we used to do breaths and compressions, you know? Yeah. That's, and, I've, uh, I've done it on a... Right. Like a 92-year-old lady, um, basically because her family was there. And it's one of those that we were working on her. We knew she was dead. Right. But the family's there, and you go, well, I guess we'll, I mean, we'll keep going until, you know, the firefighters or the paramedics step in and go, dude, she's, like, she's done. And then right. they kind of picked up why we were doing it. And then they got, they said they got enough of a rhythm to load her up and transport her. Right. And yeah. then. But when, so you when need they someone got there. She was done. Right. I, I, I tried CPR. The kid had been underwater for 20 minutes, but we didn't know yeah. that at the time. So um, it was horrible. You know, I go, who am I going to call? First call I was home, you know. Just to get that off my chest. Yeah. So you need that um, support at home or with your teammates. And I say teammates because that's what we are. We're a team, right? Yeah. So I know we we, uh, wandered from the qualified immunity, but um, qualified immunity, what if you're trying to save someone's life and you're giving CPR and you break ribs and stuff? That doesn't really apply because an unconscious person um, can't, grant consent you or not consent. consent so it's like it's believed to be that you have consent but uh, the qualified immunity thing is so important for us and like you said if they ever get rid of that i know many people that will go including well, yeah, the, myself the, the ones that are going to go are going to be the ones that are smart enough to understand what it is and you're going to be left with cops who don't understand what it is and if you, you're a cop and you don't understand what it is what the hell are you doing you need to understand it yeah, look like, it up. Get educated on some of the stuff that applies to you and some of the stuff that you're actually going to have to enforce so that you get a better quality cop. Right. Don't just read case law and stuff when you have a sergeant's promotion coming up. 
like read case law and new laws and stuff while you're working because all that stuff that goes through the Supreme Court affects us. Your state Supreme Court and the nation's Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, all that stuff affects our job, so you have to be up on it. You don't have to memorize it. But just familiarize yourself with it, look at it, read it, and then when something pops up, you might actually recognize what that falls under, and you'll be able to understand it better. Yeah. So that would be qualified immunity. I wonder what Joey would have said, but we don't know because he's not. I'm sure it would have been well thought out and (laughs) probably way smarter than either one of us, but we'll never know. Not till maybe next week. But next week we have another guest. Let's, let, not, let's say let's save the guest part till the end. But I, I am. So, so if you want to know who the guest is next week, you have to Stick listen around. to the whole damn show. Right, and don't let me have another beer while we're recording this. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go downhill real quick. Have I told you I'm a lightweight? See, that's see, people think that being a lightweight is a horrible thing. And I disagree. Because when I was in Minot, in North Dakota in the military, there was really only one thing to do. That was, well, two things to do. There's drink and then procreate. I did both. <laughs> but you build up a tolerance and your bar tab goes through the roof. Oh, boy. You cut back on the drinking, you become a lightweight. All of a sudden, you can get drunk for like a quarter of the price. Oh, God, yeah. One beer. That's yeah. all I need. So. I'm a cheap date. Yeah. That's why I tell my wife all the time we go out. Go, hey, cheap date. Cheap date. All right. So, Mike, let's talk so, about car chases. Hey, let's do that. Um, so I wanted to talk about this this week because the chase policy is different everywhere, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes I don't get it because I'll turn on the news. Well, first of all, I started paying attention to car chase stuff. And it was way before the O.J. Simpson chase, but California <laughs> fucking chases everybody. Nope. CH, CHP, LAPD, and most county sheriffs will chase anything. Right. Every, Every other I, uh, municipality is like, I, yeah. can't, I can't shoot it. I can't chase it. All right. So you tell me your chase policy. Okay. So for us, that's basically what it is. If, if you can shoot it, you can chase it. So it's basically you have to constantly weigh the risk to the public versus the need to apprehend. And if the risk to the public outweighs the need to apprehend, like say we have an identified suspect, we know who he is, we can go pick him up later, screw it, cut the chase, we'll pick him up at a later point in time. Now, if it's something where violent crimes occurred, an identified suspect, and they're in a stolen car, good to go. Or even if it's just a violent crime, unidentified suspect. You can chase them more or less till the wheels fall off. But we also have uh, little pockets within the city that are controlled by sheriff's office. The sheriff's office, much like CHP, will chase anything. And in, I, I, so I used to work in an area that had a lot of the little county pockets, mm-hmm. and we would get updates all the time, like, "Hey, all units be advised, uh, SOs in pursuit of a." Uh, like Honda Civic, four-door, blacked out, uh, want's going to be speed. So the only want on the car is that they were speeding. And it finally came home to screw them this week. Oh, this past week? Yeah. So the day that I was out with with, uh, a migraine, they chased a car, 
I think the only want on the vehicle was for like vehicle code stuff. So like speeding, taillight, red lights, violations, all that Bullshit stuff. Bullshit traffic. Yeah. So this car T-boned another at about, I think they estimated between 85, 90 miles an hour, uh, killed two people, two innocent people, brother and sister. One was 17, woman's uh, an adult. Both suspects in the suspect vehicle lived, major injuries. And, uh, yeah, so now there's a family that lost right. two young ones over yeah. over, over speeding violation. And, and I right. guess they, they did find a gun in the car, but at, at that point, like, you have to ask. They like, don't know uh, that, right. Yeah, the, the question is, like, was this... Did you think this car was tied to something else and you were just going to use the vehicle code as a reason to stop the car or what? But the actual reason for the chase was a little pissant. Like, it was going to be a ticket. Right. And now we've got two dead bodies. So our chase policy is we don't chase anybody. Yeah, that's we more can, or less ours. We can follow. Well, you um, have this whole pre-pursuit phase of, well, maybe they're just trying to find a safe place to pull over. Right. So we can follow at a reasonable rate of speed without lights on, um, it, which sucks for some time. So, you know, we take some of this stuff personally, right, when we try and oh, pull yeah. a car over and it doesn't pull. So one day, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I'm cruising on the main highway, and I see, I'm just flipping, the, I get to my town's border, and I flip a U-turn. And I happened to flip a U-turn right behind some 1975 moped. Right? You know, moped. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I always look at that kind of cool stuff, right? Hey, that's a cool yeah. old bike. And uh, some hippies on it. And uh, the car in front of him, like, hits its brakes. So he goes to brake, and he's got no fucking brake lights. So I almost <laughs> rear-end him. And I'm like, all right, fuck this guy. I'm going to pull him over. So I hit my lights. It's <laughs> fucking piece of shit. He's like, Wah. he looks over his shoulder at me, keeps going. So I'm like, okay. Um, I call it in. I'm like, hey, I'm attempting to pull over a moped. Are you, are you really with, doing this? <laughs> with this license plate on it. And then dispatches back. Oh, that comes back to a 1978 Harley Davidson, like some big bike out of like Southern Illinois, somewhere way far down <laughs> I'm like, well, that's definitely not the bike I'm following. So now I'm starting to take it personally, right? Because this motherfucker ain't pulling over. So I'm like blasting my air horn and I got the sirens going. Everybody's getting out of the fucking way, which normally no one stops or pulls over for us, right? <laughs> yeah. No one does. No. So I'm approaching like the airport and I'm like, beep, beep. And he's like, he's not, he's just, Wah. it's 40 miles an hour. <laughs> This is a 40-mile-an-hour chase, which is 10 miles an hour under the speed limit. So I'm not chasing him, right, technically? No. Yeah. You're... So we get past the airport, and now the speed there is 50, and he's like 48. And I'm like, motherfucker. I'm, I pull up next to him. I get next to him. I'm in the middle lane, and he's on my right, and I roll down the window. I'm like, pull the fuck over right now. And he's he looks at me. Looks back straight ahead. Now he's in like some dirt. No. Like, part, yeah. <laughs> he's in the he's in the rocks and shit. I'm like, fucking please wipe out. Please wipe out. No, he doesn't wipe out. He gets back. <laughs> he like fishtails and gets right back in front of me. I'm heading up into the next jurisdiction. I'm like, call this town. Let them know I'm coming through. My my boss is like, 
first of all, one of my buddies is trying to catch up to me. So he's doing like a hundred <laughs> trying to catch up to me. And we're on like a highway part now. So there's no streets or anything except what we're on. There's no like incoming traffic flow or outgoing traffic flow. So my sergeant's like, where are you at? And I told him, what's your speed? I'm like 48. He's like, okay. So it's not technically <laughs> a chase, right? Yeah. So we're getting Just up driving. to the next jurisdiction. And this guy blows, he, he goes, lane splits like four cars, blows through a red light. And then I catch the light because of my, my, my oscillating lights catch the light. So it turns it green. I go through, I go through that city. <laughs> coming now I'm still fucking chasing this guy 48 <laughs> miles an hour and there's like there's a concert at this big venue so there's all these auxiliaries out there directing traffic so they like stop traffic we go through there I'm coming up to the third jurisdiction and finally my boss is like fucking stop just, <laughs> just fucking stop Mike stop <laughs> I'm like son of a bitch this guy's doing 48 miles an hour and I can't pull him over so this week so that's frustrating for us right yeah. And then I had some guy, I was on a traffic stop and some asshole on a motorcycle, uh, on a crotch rocket, an organ donor bike. He does a wheelie right past my squad, right past the fucking squad. Does a wheelie. Like, he's like, hey, fuck you, cop. And I'm like, what? So the guy that I was done riding takes off and now I pull out and I'm underneath an overpass and I hit my air horn because it's really loud underneath there. Mm-hmm. And the guy... The lane shifts because there's construction. He's still doing a wheelie, and he fucking, like, wiggles, and he almost loses it. He puts the bike down, and he, he fucking goes. He goes up to the next light, and he turns right, and he's going northbound, and he's got to be doing uh, fucking 90. So I get behind him, and I can see him up ahead, and I call it in. And then they're like, what's it for? And I'm like, it's traffic. And they're like, no, stop. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool. So I shut my lights off, but I'm still going, you know, how we do that? Yeah. And, well, you um, want to try to reacquire the vehicle. If... Of course. I want to try and get a license plate. Yeah. And a, and a description of the driver who's got a helmet on and I can't really see his face. Yeah. So we get up to the next light. It's a T intersection. It's a really busy intersection. He lane splits some cars, and then he he goes in front of the cars that were going northbound, and then he starts coming southbound on the shoulder. And I've, I've already passed them. Yeah. So now I do a U-turn. And I'm in the southbound lanes. It's three lanes each side. So he's still traveling southbound in the northbound shoulder. And I'm going southbound in the southbound lanes. And there is a two-lane wide grass median in the middle of the road that has a curb, small curb. And I'm I'm going southbound just doing 40 miles an hour. I'm looking right at him. He's fuck. He stops, and he's looking right at me. And I'm like, fuck you. So I... I make a hard left and I fucking cross the median at like 50 miles an hour and he fucking shits his pants because I'm coming right at him and he doesn't know what to do. So then he fucking spins out and then takes off northbound again. And I'm like, all right, no, now I have to stop. But at least I scared him. <laughs> yeah. So we don't have a chase policy. I mean, the reason I brought this up was, and if my bosses are listening, I'm just kidding. None of that actually happened. Um, <laughs> I, uh, we had a town near us they notified dispatch this past weekend that they were chasing somebody. And I was sitting next, we were car spooning Mm -hmm. and my buddy um, looked at me and he goes, I said to him, who the fuck do we care? They're going in an opposite direction. They're going away from our town. So I'm like, all right, I don't care. Why do they let, and I asked dispatch, why do they want us to know? Notify the town on the other side of their town. Don't Tell, tell us. Tell the people that are where they're going. Right. So she goes, I don't know. Well, they just wanted you to know. And now we're monitoring their band, and we hear 
and we just crashed at this intersection. And I'm like, I looked at Dan and I go, that's fucking our town. <laughs> what the fuck? So they were, the dispatch gave us the wrong direction. They were actually coming into our town. So we take off over there and uh, it's a horrible scene, right? Uh, this car was going northbound on a major street, which is 40 miles an hour. He was pulled over in the other town for suspect DUI by a training officer and his trainee. They made contact with the driver, and then when they told him to put it in park, the driver took off. So I can talk about this case because it's not we have nothing to do with it. So it hasn't been litigated, but our jurisdiction has no no legal ties to it. Yeah. So they take off. Because I posted the pictures on Instagram and my stories. The car takes off northbound on this major street, and they give chase. And this kid is doing upwards of 100 miles an hour when he goes through a red light. And T-Bones, some guy going to work at 3.58 in the morning, which rolls the car and then ejects that guy, and that guy dies. And it seems like... There's a chase, two or three chases a week in the areas around me. And it's just ridiculous to what we can and what we can't chase for. And for that that particular chase, okay, who knows if the guy, if even if they didn't follow him and just said, oh, he's driving off. We have, a, we have the 28. I can identify the driver. 1028 is the license plate here in Illinois. So you have the license plate, you have the vehicle description, you have the description of the driver. You made contact with the driver, right? Um, just let him go. Yeah. Maybe, hopefully he doesn't murder someone with his car as he's driving away. Yeah. But then what happens if he does get in a crash, you're not chasing him, you like turned around and went the opposite direction, he continues driving, he gets in a crash, and then they run his license plate, and then, hey, wait a minute, this agency just ran his 28 like seven minutes ago. Yeah, he was just stopped. Why didn't you guys pull this guy, get him off the road while he took off on us? So it's this whole, because you never chase for traffic, like yeah, you said. It's, it's, it's forcible felony on Illinois. Um, even if you had said something earlier, and I'm like, no, we still wouldn't chase for that. It has to be a forcible felony in Illinois. And uh, we don't care if it's an unknown suspect or a known suspect. If it's a forcible felony and the threat of public harm is greater than the threat of your chase, then you go get them. But. Yeah, and that's more or less what it is here, but it's one of those, that's one of the things that they'll factor in when uh, the higher-ups are making the decision whether or not to call us off. For us, we'll start chasing it, and then they'll go, uh, we know who this guy is? Yeah, and let's get him later. Let's let the uh, special ops guys earn their pay. All right, get so a warrant. I, yeah, go like, pick him up. I, I and I get it in that sense, but at the same time, when you have to flick the lights off and pull to the side, it's it, it's kind of demoralizing. It's like, very demoralizing. Yeah. So my my buddy and I, we were still on probation, and this was a team. It, it was like the perfect setup. It was a team full of guys from my academy class. We were all still on probation. The sergeant at the time was had been promoted uh, while he was the training officer of our academy. So he gets promoted halfway through our academy. We graduate. We finish FTO. We go to his team. Cool. And uh, my buddy and I are circulating for some sort of disturbance call. And he sees this old pickup truck pull out from a side street, cut him off. And he's kind of he's like, oh, fuck you, dude. Like, you cut me off. You're getting pulled over. So runs the plate, comes back. 
stolen car. Or actually, no, it didn't come back stolen. Sorry. I've already spoiled the story. It just comes back. Damn it, Brandon. With, <laughs> it comes back with a felony want on the vehicle. Oh, okay. So on the a, vehicle. Yes. So Not the driver. Felon, no, we have no clue who the driver is. It's okay. a felony vehicle. So to us, All right. this is the murder car, man. We've got, oh, the, mur- yeah. we've got the murder suspect. We're good okay. to go. We're going until the wheels fall off. Nice. So we light it up. And this guy takes off like a bat out of hell. And it's still, at this point, just there's a felony want. We don't know what that felony is. We just know there's this bad guy. So he takes off northbound in the southbound lanes of a major, major expressway in the city. And so we're like, we're, we're going. It's felony want. Let's go. <laughs> you can hear the sergeant get on there. He goes, Control, I really need really need the one on that vehicle like right now and we're like no 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 this felony's fine we're good and she goes, she goes oh i just found it it's the only one is 10851 it's just stolen and he goes okay shut it down <laughs> like, oh yeah the, it's a felony one for a stolen car yeah in, in california that's one of the few things that is still a felony if you steal somebody's car because it's likely to lead to another violent crime that's still hmm. a felony. But All right. in my agency, we can't chase that. We can't chase that either. California Highway Patrol, on the other hand. They do what they fucking want. Oh, my God. They do what I want. They'll take it. We'll, we'll try to funnel them to the freeway and go, yeah, notify CHP. We'll come get them. <laughs> Chips are on it. Yep. The second they pull them over, that, and that's the one thing they ask when we tell them, like, hey, uh, be on the lookout for this car. There's a good one on it. And, yes, wherever you stop it, we will come get the suspect. Because wow. – CHP takes crashes and DUIs. They don't really do crime. Uh, well, it's a highway. Yeah, deal. that's. I mean, you could have a DV going on in the car. That's. I. Th- I think it's a rolling it's domestic. Probably, yeah, I think that's statistically where a, a DV is most likely to happen is going to be on the freeway. Yeah, out by you, not on surface roads. Yeah, you have more of those than we do. You know, we're more surface roads than highway. So, yeah. So. That was, I wanted to talk about chases and stuff because I know it frustrates a lot of us in the field and we are seeing more and more bad things happen from chases. So I just wanted to remind the officers to fucking let it go. If it's nothing major, like, you know, a a homicide offender, but for traffic and shit, put your big boy pants on and just suck it up and turn around and drive the other direction. And... If you're familiar enough with your area, you know where they dump cars. Go right. there and wait. You might, you might find them <laughs> dumping it. That's what I do. I, I'll wait for, because California, you can earn a, um, a pin for recovering stolen vehicles, but you have to have so many you know, occupied ones and so many unoccupied ones. Really? And like there will be guys who just sit there in spots that are known to have Cars dumped, and then the second somebody rolls in, they'll show, they'll pull in right behind them, box them in. Hey, I got it easy occupied. And let until he gets out with a machine gun. Yeah, and then it, you know, thankfully we haven't had that happen. For us, it's a lot of people that are homeless that are like jacking, okay, like sure. civics and stuff. So, right, like Will Ferrell's car when it gets stolen by the homeless yeah, people. Yeah, it's, it's usually and, dirty and the other Mike guys. And the boys. Dirty Mike and the boys. That's right. <laughs> what do they do in the car? There's a word for it. <laughs> I forget what I, I oh I, they just left a note saying thanks for the F shack. Yeah, my 
I forget what they had called it though. <laughs> There's a saying that they do in the yeah. car, but the the biggest takeoff I have from that movie is my daughter, who's now you know in her mid twenties, but when the movie came out, her favorite line was at the very end of the movie, where one guy yells to the bad guy, "I hope you like prison food," and then someone else goes, "And penis." <laughs> <laughs> and that's my daughter. my daughter used to say that all the time. I'm like, oh my god! All right, so let's get to the the heroes of the week, not just hero of the week, all right? So we're going to do the heroes of the week this this week, and we have four. All right, so our heroes of the week, three of them are from the Springfield, Illinois Police Department, and they are officers Francisco Luna. Josu Cruz and Luis Delgado. What happened was several Springfield police officers are being credited with saving a baby's life this past Tuesday morning. Del- officers Jose Josu Jesus fuck really Mike. Okay. <laughs> Take two. Springfield, Massachusetts. Hello. Several Springfield police officers are being credited with saving a baby's life Tuesday morning. Ryan Walsh of the Springfield Police Department told 22 News, Springfield police officers Francisco Luna, Jose Cruz, and Luis Delgado helped save a three-month-old's life. At around 11 a.m., officers were called to a home in the Mason Square neighborhood for a baby boy not breathing. When officers arrived, The baby was not moving, and his skin appeared to be blue in color. Officers took over for the mother, performing CPR, and provided oxygen. The baby spit up and began breathing after about five minutes. These officers did an amazing job. Officers are trained in so many different areas, and life-saving techniques are one of them. When an infant is in distress, that can be one of the most difficult calls officers ever respond to but to know that the baby is on the road to recovery and these officers help prevent the tragedy. I'm just so proud of them, said Springfield Police Commissioner Cheryl Claprood. So that's amazing. Congratulations to those three. Yeah, cheers. Um, They definitely need the recognition from that. And then I wanted to add, there was a shooting of a New Mexico officer this past week, and then the chase ensued, and a Le Cruces Police officer Adrian De La Garza pitted. There's a chase, right? Yep. Falls into our chase policy. Actually, multiple jurisdictions gave chase of this off- of this offender, and Officer De La Garza is the one that pitted him. And as soon as he exited his car, he took fire. And if you watch the video, it's amazing because he'd never quit. And that's the first thing that we're taught when you're in this training is not to quit and not give up. And he returned fire. And they ended up shit, shooting the shit bag and killing so, them. So, so not only did he take fire, he took a round. So he, he took, took one. A, he took a round to the shoulder. Yeah, right, right. In goes, the shoulder. goes down. Actually, goes to see if he can engage the suspect underneath his car. Yeah, it's an awesome video. Goes, nope, no line of sight there. Gets up, fires a volley, and then advances on the guy, who is and still, performs a mag change. Yeah, after he neutralizes the threat, goes. I'm probably yeah. pretty low. Reloads. Tactical mag load. And then holds on the guy while they take him into custody and then goes, oh, shit, I'm shot. Yeah, it was amazing. So if you guys get a chance to watch that video, 
Highly recommend it. So those are So the first our... three guys, I, I say heroes of the week. Third guy, not only hero of the week, badass of the week. Badass of the week, for sure. We have to include that. That's an amazing... It's so many people in our training, Brandon, when we get hit, they stop, right? And yeah. that's in training. And if you get that ingrained in your head that you're out, then you're out. But this guy took a round in the shoulder and kept fighting. He said, so. whatever, I don't care. Let's keep going. Right. There's another uh, LAPD SWAT had one. They And LAPD does a really good job anytime they have a uh, an OIS or what they call a law enforcement related incident. They'll put out a YouTube video like ASAP. And this was like uh, disturbance man with a gun in a backyard. He's already cranked off rounds. Uh, SWAT surrounds the, the house. Officer pies a corner, so he's trying to utilize cover as much as he can while he's trying mm-hmm. to engage the suspect, giving him commands to drop the drop the uh, the weapon. Ends up taking a round in the in the chest, so in his armor. Stumbles back, shrugs it off like it never happened. Goes back, engages the suspect again. Uh, ends up actually taking a round to the neck. Uh, his partner drags him out of the line. The rest of the SWAT team ends up uh, neutralizing the threat. And then that officer is actually on the road to recovery and, and ended up being okay. But guy takes a round of the plates like it's nothing, goes, no, no, I'm good. Yeah. We're fine. We're fine. And then wow. ends up taking another one like two minutes later. To the neck. Yeah. And it, then his partner's doing, I mean, he's doing pressure on it while his partner is dragging him back behind cover. Wow. And then his partner starts rendering aid. Amazing. It's like Jesse Ventura in Predator. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you're bleeding. I got time to bleed. Yeah. Do you have time to duck? <laughs> so uh, with that, um, we're going to get to the, the I think we have a question officers. this week, right? Oh, uh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, we do have a question this week. This is so cool because I'm drunk and I'm trying to do this. Um, <laughs> so we did get a question sent to us at handcuffsandsawdustpodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Nailed it this time. And this week's question is from Corey Hodge. He's from Elgin, Illinois. Hey, Corey, we're neighbors. I actually live in Elgin. Uh, So Corey's question. Hey, guys, I have a couple of questions regarding civilian concealed carry. I would like to hear your thoughts. I have my CCL. What is the overall attitude of the Chicagoland LEOs in regards to civilian concealed carry Second Amendment? And do you have any tips for a person with their CCL when getting pulled over? And then he finished saying in the email, I'm really excited about hearing a semi-local perspective on law enforcement on your podcast. So, uh, Corey, thank you very much. And I'm not sure, does California have CCLs? So in California, call CCWs, but it's, CCWs, it's the same right. thing. Uh, you got to go through a county sheriff or the sheriff's office. Um, and then depending where you are in the state, some sheriffs are a little bit more... Uh, willing to give it to you uh like currently there's a sheriff near where i work who is being uh investigated for like if you wanted one you maybe had to donate to their campaign see that's the problem about being a sheriff is you're an elected official yeah Um, but like down where i used to live in fresno county like uh, sheriff and i love this woman margaret mims well just like you want a concealed carry yeah we live in a high crime area here you go What's the what's the classes and stuff? Uh, I've, you know, I've never had to worry about it. it well, yeah, because you get to carry again, yeah, but cause, you don't know. Yeah, I just know that okay. if you don't have the, 
the permit, you, we got some problems. So um, what's your take on people so, that have CCLs or CCWs so, out by you? For me, it's always, and this is what I want out of anybody in a perfect world. I pull you over, you put your car in park. Ideally, I'd like you to turn it off. I'd like you to put your hands on the wheel. And if you are carrying, like, first thing you should say when I come up there is, hey, um, just so you know, I'm armed. I have a permit. My gun is, and here's the part I cannot stress enough. Say it. Don't just, point just to it and show me. Don't move your hands off the wheel and point to use it and be like, words. oh, it's right here. Let me watch here. I'll show yeah. it to you. It's really cool. You want to see it? No. Yeah. No, I don't. Just, hey, yeah. you know, I, I'm carrying. It's uh, it's on my, you know, four o'clock. Okay, cool. Step out of the car. Keep your hands where I can see them. Do not reach for it. Put your hands in the car. Cool. I'll disarm you. And then we'll handle our business. But, it, yeah, as long as you let the officer know, I, I don't think most of us would have a problem with it. Now, in Illinois, you have to take a 16-hour class that has range time and all this other stuff. I have a bunch of friends that actually are CCL instructors. So you take a 16-hour class, and then when you get your, your license, the state has a record of it, and it's attached automatically to your driver's license or your license plate. So you can have a vehicle that's run with just a license plate, and you don't get a return on the DL, but most of the time now we get a DL attached, and if, if there's a DL attached and that guy has a valid CCL, we get notified in the car before we even make contact with the, with the driver that this is a valid concealed carry license holder. So that's good to know. And our state laws, they do not have to disclose it to us unless we ask. So if we conduct a traffic stop, nowadays, as police officers, we always assume there's a weapon in every car, right? Even yeah. Before CCLs even became anything if there's one gun there's two guns if there's one bad guy there's two bad guys all that stuff so now on traffic stops we have to be able to we have to be the ones that say hey do you have a weapon on you same thing you just said turn your lights on in your car for me right because i'm on nights so turn on your dome light pull over car and park hands on the steering wheel just tell me hi officer i have a valid permit for a weapon it's in my glove box it's in my you know shoe wherever the fuck you keep it just please let me know and then I will go about dealing with it that way. We now carry gun boxes in all of our squads. So if there's an incident, we can just hold on to the weapon in a gun box locked in a squad while we do our traffic business, if it gets to that point, and that we can give it back. But we just had a DUI two weeks ago, and the guy just fucking plowed into a huge concrete fucking garbage can thing and just came to a screeching halt in the middle of the night and... I was on the passenger side of the car, and my buddy was the contact officer. And then a third officer came over, and he was looking in the car with his flashlight. And then he seen into the driver's door panel inside there was a weapon down there. So we had gotten the guy out, and he had a valid CCL, except when you're intoxicated. Then it's a felony if you have your weapon on you. Yeah, it's usually a bad combination is, is booze and guns. Right, unless you're trained professional so <laughs> i don't know I, i've met a it's few still a bad it's combination probably still a pretty bad it's still idea. a bad combination so yeah uh cory just if you ever do get pulled over and you do happen to have your weapon on you uh just inform the officer turn on your lights in your car put down all your windows especially if you have tinted windows even the back windows so the officer can see inside your car hands on the steering wheel 
just inform him that you have a weapon on you, where it's at, and that you have a, a CCL. They'll know that information from running you anyways, but then just don't move until they tell you to, because here's what I always tell people. Keep your fucking hands in your pockets, because we used to take hands out of pockets, right? Take your hands out of your pockets. Well, they could have a weapon. And I'm like, okay, you told me to take my hands out of my pocket. Here's a gun. So now we tell them, leave your hands in your fucking pockets until I come over by you and grab your hands and pat you down. But in your car, leave your hands on your steering wheel. Don't make any crazy movements like Brandon was saying. Don't go to show me where your weapon is physically. I don't want to know that. So I hope that answered your question. And don't be drunk. Certainly, please don't be drunk and running from the police with a weapon in your car. <laughs> oh, back to the shitbag that caused the crash in my through my town last week. After he killed that guy, he got out of his car and ran and then hid in some weeds with there was some water. And then uh, he's got no injuries whatsoever. Of That's how it goes. It's always said it's always the shithead that walks away like no injuries whatsoever. I think it's because he's so drunk that his body's so limber. And yeah, I'm being honest. You know, I think there's a factual basis to that where there's you don't tense up and stuff, so you your body can absorb more of the impact. And, I think and I think it was actually a MythBusters where they kind of examined that, like a, they simulated like a tensed up body versus someone that was completely limp. The limp body actually sustained less injury. Right. So. And I've got so much muscle mass in me that I tense up and I'm like, I snap in half. That's not really true. I don't have a lot of muscle mass. <laughs> you might just snap in half because you don't have a I lot of mass, period. <laughs> yeah. So that would snap me in half. All right. So we're going to do um, the Fallen Officers of the Week. And when I wrote the show, we had one. And since then, I believe we have like six more. So I'm going to open up my app, and I'm sure Brandon has it open already. So far for the year, we are at 119 officers killed in the line of duty, and that is up 20%. Yep. All right, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. We've got seven officers this week. And if you're on the app with me, Brandon, I can do the first three if you want to do the next four after that, say, I'll start down I, the bottom. I say I only show one, two, three, four, five. Really? We yep. have the same app. The law enforcement, or yeah, yeah, Officer Dow Memorial page. Yeah. Okay. Well, then uh, maybe yours is in California and it's slow getting the news because you're all the way on the left coast. Yeah, it could be. Maybe. But uh, all right. So I'll start. Deputy Sheriff Terry Dyer of the Madison County Sheriff's Office in Tennessee. His end of watch was Tuesday, April 20th, 2021. 62 years old, 33 years of service. Deputy Sheriff Terry Dyer suffered a fatal heart attack after responding to a domestic violence call at a local church two days earlier. He collapsed while appearing in a General Sessions court criminal case. Deputy Dyer was a U.S. Army veteran and had served with the Madison County Sheriff's Office for 33 years. He is survived by his daughter. Deputy Sheriff Alexander Guads, I apologize if I'm not pronouncing the name properly, G-W-O-S-D-Z, Harris County Sheriff's Office in Texas. End of watch, Thursday, April 22nd, 2021. Deputy Sheriff Alexander Guads died from complications as a result of con contracting COVID-19 in the line of duty. 
served at the sheriff's office for nine years. He was 32 years old. NYPD officer Anastasio Sacos. I saw this on the news when I was eating breakfast one earlier in the week. End of watch, Tuesday, April 27th. Police officer Anastasio Sacos was struck and killed by a vehicle being operated by an intoxicated driver. Officer Sacos responded to assist at the scene of a fatal automobile collision on the Long Island Expressway near the entrance to the Clearview Expressway. He was redirecting traffic when a 2013 Volkswagen driven by a 32-year-old woman swerved to avoid other cars and hit Officer Sacos as he stood next to his marked patrol vehicle and he succumbed to his injuries. The driver fled the scene in her vehicle but was later apprehended. An investigation revealed that the driver was intoxicated and driving with a suspended driver's license. She faces charges including vehicular manslaughter, reckless endangerment, leaving the scene of a deadly accident, and driving while intoxicated. Officer Sacco served with the New York City Police Department for 14 years and was assigned to the Highway Unit 3. He survived by his wife, six-year-old daughter, and three-year-old son. He was 43 years old with 14 years of service. Deputy Sheriff Logan Fox. Watuga County Sheriff's Office, North Carolina. I just saw the video of this. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't seen the video yet. Wednesday, April 28th, 2021. Deputy Sheriff Logan Fox and Sergeant Chris Ward were shot and killed while conducting a welfare check at a home in Hardman, Hardman Circle. So they get a call for a check of well-being. They show up this guy. They start taking fire. A co-worker of the homeowner had requested a welfare check after the man did not report for work and was not answering his phone. So responding officers discovered all the vehicles belonging to the owner were in the driveway. As Sergeant Ward and Deputy Fox entered the home to check on the occupants, someone inside opened fire, striking both deputies. Backup officers were able to extract Sergeant Ward from the home, but were unable to reach Deputy Fox. Sergeant Ward was flown to a hospital in Johnson City, Tennessee, where he succumbed to his injuries. The subject barricaded himself inside the house and continued to shoot at law enforcement officers who were on the perimeter throughout the day. He finally committed suicide several hours later. Deputy Fox was retrieved from the residence and pronounced dead. Do you have Corporal Keith Heacock on your list and and, uh, Officer Christopher Farrar? Let me take a look. Heathcock and Farrar, yes. You want to do them too? Sure. Okay. Corporal Keith Heacock from the Delmar Police Department in Maryland. Corporal Keith Heacock succumbed to injuries sustained on April 25th, 2021, when he was assaulted after responding to a fight call in the 11,000 block of Buckingham Drive in Delmar, Delaware. He was the only officer on duty when he responded to the call at approximately 5 a.m. Corporal Heacock was assaulted by a male subject who then repeatedly stomped on his head after he had become unconscious. The man then assaulted an elderly couple who lived across the street. Officers from the Delaware State Police in Wicomico County Sheriff's Office, Maryland, were dispatched to check on Corporal Heacock when he failed to respond to dispatchers. He was transported to a hospital in Baltimore, Maryland, where he succumbed to his injuries on April 28, 2021. And then police officer Christopher 
Farrar of the Chandler Police Department in Arizona. Police officer Chris Farr was struck and killed by a vehicle during a vehicle pursuit of a stolen vehicle involving multiple agencies. Deputies with the Pinal County Sheriff's Office had initiated the pursuit of a known felony of a known felon shortly after 10 p.m. The driver of the vehicle fired shots at the responding deputies before entering Chandler, Arizona. The man drove through a gate and onto the runway of the Chandler Regional Airport and then back into the community. He drove to a car dealership on East Motorplex Loop where he stole a truck. As the man exited the dealership, he struck Officer Farrar and a Gilbert police officer, causing both to suffer critical injuries. Officer Farrar was transported to a local hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. He had been a police officer with the Chandler Police Department for 18 years. He was 50 years old. That is way too many police officers this week. Yeah. One is too many, but seven is ridiculous. I was so excited when I was writing the show rundown because we had one. And not excited that we had one. Excited that we only had one. Right? Yeah. Um, I guess I shouldn't. I just. It's going to happen every day, unfortunately, across the United States. Yep. I had a piece of audio. Go ahead, Brandon. I was going to say, the more that these people are emboldened and there's, you know, really no consequence for their actions when they're out committing crimes on a regular basis it's it's going to keep happening and it's going to keep happening until the community at large kind of puts their foot down and says no more let's let's be done with this let's put bad guys in jail and keep them there yeah you think they could do that for us or what yeah i don't know someday so i did i did find a video i would be out of a job if there was no crime i would be happy with that it's we might be the only profession that if, like, our job security went away, like, there's just no real need for us anymore because crime stopped. Like, we'd all be pretty okay with that. Right. It'd be fine. I can find something else to do. and don't have to look and listen at, you know, bad things anymore. All right. So we're going to wrap up this long, long law enforcement section of the of the podcast. I had some other stuff, but um, I was going to mention that Sticks Larson has a podcast. <laughs> But I don't want to lose any listeners that we have to go listen to Sticks. But uh, good luck to them. I'm sure it's a fantastic show. And then I saw real quick in the news that the St. Louis Metro Police Department has been defunded of like $4 million. And they're so happy that they're not going to be giving these horrible police officers money for training. And they're actually talking about putting it back into the community, which is a fantastic idea. And then I read that they're going to have like unarmed civilians go and handle some of these calls. I'm like, uh, right. So I guess we'll be seeing more shit happening do, in St. Louis. Do they already have these people hired? Uh, nah, they're, they're counselors. They're just going to send counselors and they go speak with people. Really? Because I've talked to a few counselors. I said, hey, wh- what's your idea on this? Like, if this happened, would you do that job? And universally, 100% of people polled said, and eh, no. Yeah, no. No. Well, they're going to, supposedly, and uh, they're all celebrating down there in St. Louis. So last week I said, don't come to Chicago. <laughs> this yeah, week I'm saying... Don't go to St. Louis. All right. Uh, I'm not going to play the audio of that woman who struck the New York officer. Because no, let's not give that piece of shit any... Uh... No, any airtime. Yeah. All right. So on with the woodworking part. 
So segment two, woodworking. Hey, We're going to hey, ask Joey, Joey. how did you start your uh, woodworking <laughs> you journey, buddy? Uh, yeah. That's so. a great story. <laughs> Maybe he'll tell us next week. <laughs> and just so you know, Joey, like next week when you come on, it's going to be basically an hour of us giving you shit for everything. Right. <laughs> and you'll have to tell twice as many stories. So we're actually, you were thinking about uh, an Etsy page. Yeah. So I, I actually wanted to ask you what your experience has been with Etsy as far as, you know, what kind of, I guess, percentage or cut they're taking from your profit. And if you're happy with Etsy or if you would, or if you wish you had just done your own website. It's funny you mentioned the website thing, because when I first got into woodworking a few years ago and my friend wanted me to make him some flags, you know, I felt like Bill Murray and Caddyshack when he sees the Dalai Lama and the Lama says, there will be no money, but on your deathbed, you'll receive total consciousness. So I have that going for me, which is nice because my buddy's like, well, you're going to donate these flags. I'll help build a website for you. I'm like, fuck yeah, awesome. Because I don't know what I'm doing with a website. Yeah. Okay. I still don't have a website. Because he just never <laughs> built the website for me. So it basically got two free flags from me. That's well played. Well played on his part. Um, so I want still to do a website. And I'll tell you about my Etsy. Uh, I don't know if you follow um, Love Hetty J on Instagram. Hetty. No. She is like the Etsy guru. She teaches classes or sells a starter package for Etsy. And she can show you how to do... All the Etsy stuff, I highly recommend you check out her her feed and then look into her Etsy stuff because she's she's got it down pat. She she ships on one day. I got a lot of my shipping advice from her. But so I opened up an Etsy page and at the time I think I had like five flags. So now they charge me twenty cents per listing per month, I think. Um, now I have, you know, like 20 flags on there and 20 bottle openers on there. And I'm going to be adding more and more stuff to the shop. But I just sold a bottle opener on there this past week for someone who wants a Michigan State police. Oh, no, that's a Spider-Man one. I, I sold a Spider-Man one. And I think it was $39. And I've got 29 bucks coming back to me. Like the $10 went where? Oh, yeah. yeah. They has to pay for the month's listings for Etsy. So if you, it's a good way to get started because a lot of people go to Etsy. Yeah. And there are ways for you to maximize it. You can do Etsy ads and stuff. I haven't put any money into the advertising part of Etsy. And I think that's my fault. Uh, I do get natural traffic delivered to my page through searches on Etsy, which is nice. And then of course I have an Etsy link in my bio on Instagram. And most of the time I'll mention something when I make a flag, I'll add it the following week in my Etsy store. So I'll always mention in my stories or on my posts, hey, I made this flag. You can get one just like it. Follow the link in my bio. So it's been somewhat successful. I think I've made maybe $900 on Etsy, which isn't a lot within the year. But no, it's not a for little friends. Either. No, what what it does allow me to do is it's a platform where I can show off my stuff. So if you wanted a flag from me 
instead of me sending you 9 million pictures, I'll just tell you, hey, go to my Etsy page, find a flag you like. Don't buy it on Etsy. (laughs) Just text me back the flag you want, and then they can save taxes, right? And And then I don't have to pay a listing fee. Yeah. So we both save. So I don't know. I'm... You need some type of web-based program for your belongings to be on, and yeah. I think a home website is going to be the best one in the end. Yeah, that and that's where I'm leaning. I was I was looking into I think it was Squarespace. Like you can kind of build it through them. And it's like three hundred bucks for a year, and they they give you like the POS, you know, online POS system, unlimited listings, all that stuff. So I think it's going to probably be through that, and then do kind of like what everyone does with the. Uh, the Etsy pages with the link in the in the bio. I'll just put the link to the website in there. And yeah, most everyone, if they have a website, instead yeah. they just put the link in their website. And they some guys still have buy uh, still have Etsy and websites. But um, I think more and more people are in our field, not police, but in the woodworking world, are trying to get away from Etsy and then building their own websites. Yeah, I think everyone's tired of having to pay a fee to one to list a product, and then two, every time you sell it, you you know, right? You're going to take them. yeah. So I'd rather just and pay at first for I'm like twenty cents. And... Fuck yeah, twenty cents. Next thing you know, you're taking ten dollars out of my yeah. The twenty cents adds up really fast. So which then also... you have to jack up your prices to account for the loss that you have to take. Yeah, and I'm already because I offer free shipping, so I'm already losing a little bit of money yeah. there on that end as well. Especially for the big stuff like we were talking about last week, shipping big flags. Yeah, that's... it might cost me twenty five bucks to ship a flag, and I'm not. I'm not raising the price of the flag 25 bucks. Although they do tell you when you're doing your Etsy page, make sure to account for shipping. If you're going to offer free shipping, just build that price in. But then yeah. you're pretty much pricing yourself out of the market compared to the other stuff that's like yours. Yeah. Cause I, yeah, I've seen a lot too, where it's like, you know, flags, even similar to like what I'm, what I'm making the same size. Like people are offering them for like 80 bucks. I'm like how like lumber no. prices now, yeah. just the lumber alone to, build the flag is going to be 80 bucks so you're you're doing it at a loss yeah i can't i i think i have a premium product in, in my head at least so you people are going to pay a premium price for it and i haven't had a problem selling my stuff so yeah like I, and i'm one of those people of you know I, i'm a firm believer that all you have in this world is time so i'm not big on wasting it and i'm not going to just give it away like there's no definitely not so so yeah if you're going to have to pay a little bit more than maybe you want to, but that's what my time is worth. So if you don't and like your product. it. product. Yeah. Your product's also and, worth and, that amount. And, yeah. And then the, the base price for the product is, I mean, it's not, I'm not selling crap. Well. <laughs> no, well, Okay. Not. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there's one what time you... I, I, I had something, I was like, man, that's crap. And I scrapped it and completely started over. Yeah, I'm very particular about the stuff that I sell. It has to match like a 200-point inspection from a car dealership. I have to, you know, all my stuff has to pass these inspection points. Yeah, Otherwise, like, I, I scrap it and start over. I've, I, like, I've even had people comment like, man, it kind of took you a, a little bit longer. It's like, well, I was making sure it was dialed in before I gave it to you. I'm not going to just slap it together and be like, oh, here you go. And then you get it. You're like, dude, this is crap. Yeah, your name's on that forever. Yeah. So if it's hanging in someone's house and it looks like shit, they're going to go, where the fuck did you get that piece? You're like, oh, this guy, Brandon, really yeah, sucks. Like, I paid him a lot of money. Remind me to never. 
right. go to that guy. Don't give me Brandon's phone number. I don't want to see his work ever again. <laughs> so since it has your name on it, you want it to be perfect. And I know sometimes it's not perfect, and sometimes I can see imperfections. But if it's glaring, I just start over. And I don't care if I eat 100 bucks. I just want yeah. the customer to be happy. And that's the biggest thing I've had to co- overcome is I will notice like the little the little thing that the common person is going to never notice in a thousand years. I'm like, man, that thing is not a thousand percent square. It is when I measure it across, it's like a 32nd of an inch off and it's bothering me. And then like my wife has to talk me down off the ledge. She's like, nobody knows, but you like, she goes, you're telling me and I can't see it. (laughs) So we have to get past that. We have to believe that it's okay. You know, so that's a struggle. For yeah. us. I want to make some really nice like heirloom furniture, but I'm just not that good of a woodworker yet. But I'm gonna start. Well one of the at things some point. one of the things I want to do is I gotta start learning some like almost like hand cut joinery. Like something better than like, you know, your pocket holes or you know, just regular butt joints or or you know, even something as simple as a half lap. But I want to get into something a little bit more like a mortise and tenon. I'm not quite, I don't think I'm ready for dovetails yet. I know I'm not. I know um, Hung of Wiley Woodworks last year, he did a 30-day dovetail challenge. Jeez. So every day you cut a dovetail. And then it's nice because he doesn't work 12-hour shifts and shit, so he yeah. can do this stuff every <laughs> night in the shop. So, sometimes so, I kind of fantasize about that. I'm like, man, what would it be like to have a normal job? Like, I know. Home, get home at like 5, 6 o'clock, spend some time with the family. Everyone goes down to bed. I could go out to the shop for an hour or two. Right. It's funny. I had Deli, um, Delmar, Uncle Deli, made it. He was over for our Maker Challenge, Maker Collab 2021 project we're working on, and I had told him, I think, last year that I worked 12s. But as we've been trying to do this, he's been over a few times in the shop. And he's like, how come we didn't get to this this past week? And I'm like, I I worked every day. And he's like, so finally this past week he was over and we're working. And I go, I'm sorry I didn't have a chance. You know, I worked all weekend. He goes, okay. I'm like, do you remember I worked 12 hours? He's like, oh, man, I forgot. He goes, I was wondering why you weren't in the shop after work like everybody else. I'm like, because I just get to sleep and work when I'm on shift. Yeah. Because it's literally 14 hours by the time you, you leave the house and you get back and got to go to bed. and You got to get up and do it over again, especially three days in a row. Yeah, that's like I usually will leave my house around 7 in the evening, get back home around 8, 8.30-ish. Right. So how are you doing anything in the shop? You're not. I don't. Like usually the, right. the, when I work, I, it is work, That's sleep, it. and then little league with the kids. Right. So unfortunately, we don't have that ability to, to practice dovetails on work nights and all that other joinery. But I think a Festool Domino would help me with some joinery. That, so seems, work- to, that seems to be the, uh, the crossover when you go from hobbyist to woodworker when you when you acquire a domino you are officially a woodworker and you are actually contractually obligated to use it in everything i think so and but i thought that happened when i bought a drum sander yeah it's close that's close you're you go from <laughs> from hobbyist to like i don't know if it's weekend warrior or like i know right. that the the tool grades they have like consumer and then they have like the prosumer level that's you would be right. like a prosumer woodworker prosumer woodworker yeah because uh now that you've got the CNC, you've got a drum sander, and then and then now you're going to add the the domino. 
Like you, I anoint What's you. left? Woodworker. Yeah. Thanks. All I need to know is how to actually put word together or design it, you know, because um, I'm not the greatest designer in the world. I have ideas in my head and I sketch them out on paper. But um, bringing something to life, I should have bought, instead of VCarve Pro, I should have bought Fusion 360, where you can do 3D modeling, and then it goes right to your machine. You can use it as well as the software for your CNC. So I didn't do that at the time, so now I just have an expensive version of VCarve Pro. So I need another modeling software. And I guess, you know, SketchUp is free, and there are a lot of people that use SketchUp. Um, and I started learning that maybe 10 years ago and I just still haven't figured it out. See, I need to find something that I can use like on my, uh, on my iPad, which I guess you can for some of these things, but you need like the Apple pencil. Yeah. Don't you have that? No, I'm not rich. (laughs) It's a big deal that I have a planer, dude. (laughs) I thought it came with the, the iPad. It was the pencil. No. No, if I, I had to I'm pay sorry. an extra like hundred bucks just to get the damn keyboard. Watch this. Watch this. Watch this. I'm I'm showing Brandon on the TV. Yeah. So for those of you that know that this is an audio show, yeah, Mike is pulling out a stylus from his Samsung. I'm I'm assuming that this is the Note. It's a it's a yeah, Note Note yeah. Ten. So I can so, draw right on this screen and yeah. do all kinds of then turn it into words and then send it as files. It's fantastic. Because I don't have an iPad. That's I had a first generation iPad, and it no longer works. Yeah, see, and that I, was given to me. See, I used to have the uh, the Galaxy Note, and I found that the only thing I ever did with the stylus and the uh, actual ability to draw and stuff was just draw dicks. That's all I did, <laughs> and then send them to your friends. Yeah, they would just send them to people. I have used it while um, designing stuff. I'll sketch on here, or if I'm at work and I need to tell a story about a driveway or something, yeah. I pull it out and I show the guys, okay, I was here <laughs> and this guy was over here. So it's good for that. But yeah, I think a, a, a software that allows you to design and then send out to the CNC would be great. I have designed recently in the VCarve Pro, this golf um, display thing I'm, I'm doing. So tonight I'm hoping to mill up the walnut down to the thickness I want and at least get it on the CNC to cut out the pieces. I'm going to let it cut out the profiles and the holes all by itself so I don't do anything else with it, like with saws or no matching pieces where I have to tape them together and run them through the saw. Yeah. I'm going to let the CNC do it. So I'm excited about that. Well, that's why you get the CNC. And you just sit there and drink beer and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, yeah, and then push the wrong buttons because I'm drunk. Yeah. Well, that is always so, a, a, a risk. It's an issue. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I was going to do tonight was with um, I'm now moved on to the golf club display nice. on my bench. Yeah, I've, uh, I'm calling it for the day. I, I have the whole frame assembled for my outfeed slash assembly oh, cool. table. But uh, because Ace Hardware does not seem to want to carry MDF at all, right. and doesn't have a saw to break down plywood for us people that don't have trucks, um, I got to wait till tomorrow to go drive a half hour to go to blue store or orange store and get um the quarter sheets of uh mdf and then uh bring it back the home. full sheet full sheet quarter no, inch, four I'm, by eight I, i'm gonna do the um the two by four ones just okay. because right. if it was if they had it at ace i could ratchet strap and tie it down to the top of uh the suv and just take the surface streets home like the three right. blocks it would take but driving out 
to the big box store. I got to yeah, get out freeways and yeah, I'd rather. And it's not, not even an option it. for you to rent a truck because it's so far for you to drive. You yeah, have to drive there, rent the truck, drive home, drive back. But yeah, that's a pain yeah. in the ass. So I'll just deal with a little bit of a of a seam on the tabletop, which I don't think is going to be too big of an issue. But nah, you'll be fine. Yeah, it's just irritating Good. to have to do it. You know what you do is where those seams are, put down T track. See, I was I was thinking about doing that too. That's one of the things that. I'm thinking might get added to this table kind of in the future because I'm building it kind of in a modular system. So right now I just have the frame out. Okay. Uh, eventually I'm going to build like drawers that will slide in and then I can fasten it to the, to the frame as need be, or I can do shelving. I mean, it's designed so that I can add to it as I go and as my needs kind of evolve. Yeah. Have you posted any pictures of that? I, po- I posted Instagram? the f- the frame to my story today, right before okay. I went to Ace, hoping that I could post finished pictures today. <laughs> okay. But oh well. No. There's always tomorrow. Tomorrow's yeah. your last. Tomorrow's your Sunday, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm actually. This is my actual Friday. How that works? It's actually, it is Friday, and it's my Friday, so I got all Oof. weekend. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm gonna do a lot of stuff down in the shop. I, I did. Um, got two flags out of clamps, and they need to be engraved. So I have to engrave a bear head. And the union of the bear's flag, I have to engrave stars on a blue line flag. And then I still have to glue up two other flags. And I got to start cutting plywood for a coin display. It's just strictly a plywood coin display. It's not going to be a flag per se. It's going to be finished with a natural finish and just shelves three inches apart. I got the size that the guy wants. So I got to start that too. Yeah, I got to I gotta finish up the coin rack uh for my buddy tomorrow as well. That that'll be my kind of uh since tomorrow's my stay up all night before I go back to work night, I'll probably that'll be my project to get that knocked out. Good luck. I've got Delmar coming in the morning to finish our maker collab stuff, so he'll be here at like seven I think. And then I'll I'll be free of that. We'll be done with that project. So for those of you that are listening, you will not have had a chance to vote. So I'm not even going to mention that that you can vote on my stuff on Sunday because it'll be passed then. But, but uh, wish me luck. Uh, there's a lot of prizes involved. Well, you got my vote. Win any of them. Thanks, buddy. We'll be uh, pushing it really hard on Saturday night and into Sunday. So with that, I think it's time to go. I'm going to say thanks for listening. Thank you, Brandon. Oh, Thank wait. Thank you to Joey. We have, we oh, have our IG Woodworkers of the Week. We do. Where am I? Where's my head today? I, well, it's in that It's in that glass. It was in the glass. <laughs> now the glass is empty. <laughs> so my IG Woodworker slash Maker shout out goes to my buddy Dave Glass. Dave Glass. Dave's Garage. Um, Dave.Glass. He is a fantastic person, first of all. And he lives down in southern Illinois. And I was actually supposed to go down and see him, I think, last summer. And then some shit happened. I didn't get a chance to jump in my car because it's like a five-hour drive. Him and his wife, Donna, are just fantastic people. And Dave's got a fantastic shop, man. His whole garage is a beautiful shop. He does he does laser stuff. He does engraving stuff. He, does, he turns things. Um, he just... He, makes a bottle openers he makes pencils he makes so much cool stuff and he's one of my first 
IG friends. So unfortunately, you know, when you start out on Instagram and you make your connections, and these are the people that you talk to most of the time, right? Yeah. And then all the accounts start growing. Now, mine's not huge, obviously, but you start seeing all these other people that you're making connections with, and then you kind of fall behind and keeping in touch with the people that you started with. Yeah. Right? So Dave's one of the guys that I really, really owe a lot to. Um, he sent me, when he was practicing with epoxy, mm-hmm. he made the original Batman um, with Adam West logo where it's the bat symbol, but the word Batman is in it. You yeah. Know? Um, and then he poured a yellow epoxy in there, and he was just trying out epoxy stuff, and he knows I'm a huge Batman fan, so he just shipped it to me. Well, that's awesome. One day. Yeah, as a gift. It was incredible. It's in my shop. Every time I do a state-of-the-shop picture, I tag it with him because he, you know, he was such a cool guy. He sent me the Dallas Cowboys bottle opener I showed you on our yeah. IG chat. He did that for me and sent it to me as a gift. Um, just a great guy. So that's my IG woodworker shout-out of the week. All right, and for me, I'm going with my buddy Greg over at PVSG Woodworking. So when I, it's kind of funny that uh, Dave was one of the first people that you reached out to. Greg was one of the first people I had reached out to when I was doing flags because I was kind of curious, like, well, what shade of red does everybody use for, for the red stripes? What you know, shade of blue does everybody use? And we always talk about how welcoming and how helpful this community is. He, like, within, like, 30 seconds of me sending that message, he was responding back, oh, it's this, you can go over to here, just ask for this. When you go to the paint counter, super simple, real easy. And then he and I have actually stayed in touch, and hopefully it, I'm I'm horrible at sticker swaps, I always fall behind. And I owe him a patch, and it's in the mail, I swear to God, it's in the mail. And, it, and hopefully it's to him by the time this episode drops. Uh, but he and I have kept in touch and um, we've swapped uh, patches because he's a, he's a, a police officer as well over in Florida. Um, so he's just all around good dude. If you're not following him, you should. We both started our Instagram pages um, dedicated specifically to woodworking right around the same time. So he's he's awesome and he should have way more followers than he does. I actually do follow him. Good. Yeah, he's a good follow. I, I try and follow every law enforcement officer I can find. Yeah. And veteran, because we're able to do this because of the veterans that fight for our freedom. And then, you know, then the police officers that try and keep our streets safe as well. So I'm I'm par- partial to those guys and gals. Yeah. Cool. All right. Those are two good follows for sure. Who's going to make it next week? Oh, next week we're going to have a guest, a woodworking guest, an actual woodworker will be a guest. Well, I think he's got to be the default woodworker of the week <laughs> doesn't he i think he may be the yeah he may be we i don't know we might have him do a woodworker shout out as well there you go right because we want we want to spread the word of all the great woodworkers out there in the ig community so yeah we will have a guest and maybe joey will make an appearance i'm starting to feel like he's the uh, matt damon of the Jimmy Kimmel show. All right, we ran out of time for Matt Damon tonight. Sorry, next we'll see him tomorrow. Well, this week we ran out of time for Joey, so uh, he'll be on next week's show. And, and now every time that I hear Matt Damon, all I can do is think of Team America and just, Matt Damon. 
see. I don't I don't think of that, but when I when I hear Matt Damon, I think of Forty Year Old Virgin when Paul Rudd says I used to think of Matt Damon was a real Nancy until I saw this movie when I had the Born Identities on on the big large screen TV. <laughs> That's what I think of. Did you know Matt Damon did a quick cameo in the movie Euro Trip? I think I've seen the movie, so I don't know. So why I at, know. at the beginning, when they're singing "Scotty Doesn't Know," yeah, yeah, he's the lead singer. Okay, I I didn't realize that. Maybe I have to look at it again. He yep. does a bunch of cameos because he's been in the Marvel, yeah, universe. He's he's the guy playing Loki in the play, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I think he was was he in Deadpool? No, oh, that was Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt was yeah, in Deadpool that was Brad too. Pitt. Yeah, where he, he played was the, the invisible guy. Yeah, <laughs> you don't see him until he hits the power yeah. lines. All right. All right. Well, we're actually going to have real guests, and uh, the guest that we have next week actually tried out his feed tonight, and we we had a three second delay. So, hopefully, that won't be the case next week, and we can work around it. What's that? Oh, that's time for you to go to bed. Yeah, that's my thing. All right. Apple so, telling uh, me I should go to bed. Right. So I wanted to say uh, thanks to our guests, which we didn't have. Um, thanks to Brandon. Remember, new episodes of Handcuffs and Sawdust Podcast are released every Wednesday. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and they are now available on Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Player.fm, PocketCast, and Deezer. What Just the waiting hell on Apple. Is Deezer? It's an app. I got it on my phone. They have podcasts and music. I'm going to have to look at that thing because that's just a cool yeah. name. It is pretty cool. <laughs> so also Pandora. We're waiting on Pandora and Apple Podcasts. So. so we're not big time yet, but soon. Soon. And you want to say goodbye to anybody, Brandon? Yeah. See you guys. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want to say goodbye or read this good, line on the good, script. Goodbyes are hard. Don't say goodbye. Just say I'm not saying goodbye time. until next week. And don't until forget, send your questions to handcuffs and sawdust podcast at gmail.com. We're averaging one a week. Will right. we get two? I hope. I'm hopeful. Will we, but tune will we in, read two? Tune in, we sh- absolutely. If you send two, getting on the air. Two gets on. All right, cool. That's it for us. We're out. Stay safe in the shop and on the street. See you guys. Bye.